What a thrill to take the wheel of a rocket Oldsmobile. Hey everybody and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars. I'm Randy Cardoon. Everybody has a car story. Just a reminder, don't forget to subscribe to our iTunes page and we'd love a review and give us a rating. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, give us a like and if you'd like, leave a message. Also, follow us on our social media pages, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and check us out on YouTube. This week, Bodie Stroud, car customizer, former host of the reformatted American Restoration Show on History, made a kitchen counter out of the front end of a classic Studebaker. That's worth the price of admission right there. And he worked with Jesse James on Monster Garage and is seriously not a fan of a former Talking About Cars guest. Huh, I wonder which guest that might be. But first, Perry Brandt. He came to California to follow his yearning to work with classic and race cars and become a stuntman. And he worked on the CNBC show, Car Chasers. I caught up with both of them at Ray McClellan's Full Throttle Custom Shop in Fillmore, California. The video interviews will be up in the near future on our YouTube page. I talked with Terry, standing in front of a maroon 1965 Plymouth Barracuda. I asked him what his first car was. It was funny that you we you said okay let's do this here because I go I go this is the first car that I ever had. Um, I actually got a job changing tires at a gas station. The car was five hundred dollars and I worked there all summer to make five hundred dollars and then he gave me the car. Really? So it was my first car, '65 Barracuda. Now where was this? And and you were saying how old were you? I was probably fifteen and uh, this was Pennsylvania. Wow. Yeah. How long did you end up having that car? I had that car to see. Man, about five, six years I had it, and I sold it to a girl because I thought it'd be safe, and she stuffed it. And she just wrapped it around the tree. I wanted to kill her. I wanted to, I thought, I'll sell it to a girl. She'll take care of it. Uh-huh. Nah, she wrapped it around a tree. You know. I hate it when that happens, don't you? <laughs> don't you hate it when that happens? You know, Perry, we like to talk here on Talking About Cars about where it started for people, especially car personalities like yourself. Uh, when you were young, obviously it started as early as 15, but did it start earlier than that? When did you know that you had an idea you really got into cars? Uh, you know what, uh, my father was into cars and, and so I got into it at a very early age. Um, I actually, we had an old uh, Corvair and I probably was 12, 13 years old and we lived in rural Pennsylvania. And when my mom wasn't home, I'd take it out of the garage and I'd go drive it into cornfields. So I, it started pretty young, you know. A Corvair in the cornfield. Yes, absolutely. I used to drive the Corvair in the cornfields, and that's how I learned to drive in that car. Now, Corvairs were different. I mean, they, certainly they had a lot of the stuff that most cars have, but the parking brake was different. It was a little odd. How did you figure that out? I don't even remember. I know I got it out there. I drove it, and when she came home, it was in the garage. So she was never the wiser. Oh, but... she never knew. Oh no, no, tell her. Come on, you drove through a cornfield. How could you miss corn stalks under the bumper or anything? Oh no, because they they leave paths in these giant cornfields for the tractors, and that's where you drive down. See, see, you got to know these things. You gotta, you gotta be a corn-fed boy. You were, to know you were thinking back in the day. You were thinking back in the day. Uh, wow. So you moved on, and of course, uh, your first car you were talking about was a Barracuda. Did you know you wanted to be into cars from the beginning? I, I don't know if you know it. I think it just is part of you. You're, you're brought up to it, you know. And I've always loved cars. I mean, the reason I got to California is because I wanted to build top fuel cars, and in Pennsylvania they didn't exist. So I literally went to all the drag strips, English Town, you know, and all of them, and asking people if I could work on their cars. Finally, I got a couple jobs, and I moved to California and built Top Fuels and Funnies for many years. Talk about who you were doing that for. 
Um, the main guy I did was Dennis Geisler. Uh, he used to own a altar called the uh, Instant T, which was a very famous altar in its day. And then he moved the funnies. But believe it or not, the first guy that ever gave me a job was Don Garlis. Now, how great was that considering Don had a big name at that time? I was 18 years old standing on this side of the ropes watching him work on the car. And he goes, hey, kid, you want a job? And I, I, did, I was like, you talking to me? And, you know, and he pulled me over the ropes because back then it was just the time just before they were putting reversers in the top fuel cars. So he wanted me because I was a big guy because I had to push the car back from half track after he did the burnout. So I changed tires, changed oil. And but my first guy I ever worked for was Don Garrett. So I'll never forget that. I don't know. Do you get a business card for that? I don't think so. It's just bragging rights. Hey, I work for Don Garlitz. Well, how do you know you work for Don Garlitz? Well, here's my business. No, I don't have one of those. <laughs> Come down to the Speedway and see. Yeah, but the funny thing was, is after the weekend was over, you know, I'm thinking, I'm in, right? And I go, so where are we going next? And he goes, well, we're leaving and you're going home. So he kicked me to the curb. <laughs> but then the fever, I got the fever and that was it. And then I just started chasing it down. And so that's how I ended up in California is doing that. That's a great story. So you moved on and you did a bunch of different things. Tell me, where did you go from there and, and how did you pursue really your goal of uh, working in the car industry? Uh, you know what? Um, I've got an automotive engineering degree, you know, in, in cars, and that's how I got into fuel racing because it's all science. And uh, from there, I got into cars and doing stunts. I uh, went to the movie industry, um, 35 years in in the movie industry, uh, stunts, and then talk about I, some of the movies you you've been involved in. Oh, I'm going to date myself. Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see, Terminator 2, Hook, um, Air Force One. Uh, the list is pretty long. Did you even know what to expect when you got into the stunt business? Oh yeah, you know I think you, again, just like cars, it, it's come, it's in your blood, you know. And I was very fortunate. Um, a man took me in, um, and took me basically off the streets and started teaching me the business he turned out to be John Wayne stunt double so um, that got me into business and uh, did that and then I went into producing you know and making films and producing television and I'm still into cars talk about car chasers you work with Jeff Allen and tell me how that came about Jeff and I did that show um, that was a lot of fun um, it also was very challenging finding the cars and doing it Jeff's a master at that I'm kind of the nuts and bolts guy. I like designing. I like the art of it. Jeff is the wheeler dealer, and uh, he does it very well. You know what? I've been doing this a long time. I've done a lot of shows. I've done like 100 movies, and I gave you three. That's all I can remember. What was the most memorable movie you did? Oh, gosh. I don't know. There's been so many great ones. But if someone just said to you, just come out with the best one that comes to your mind when I say stunt guy. Um... Terminator 2 was a fantastic show to be a part of. What did you do on that? I did many things on that thing. Got killed many times as many different people. Um, most fun show was probably Waterworld. Um, jet skis in the ocean, in Hawaii for seven months, playing cards, you know, and uh, just doing stunts out in the ocean. It was a great show to be on. What's in your garage right now? Um, right now I've got a... 34 uh, Tudor sedan. Um, it's sitting right up here, actually. We drove it. It's got a 392 blown Hemi in it, about 750 horse. Um, it's just a great car, great streeter. You know, she runs great on the street. And uh, and I'm currently building a 34 truck um, that I'm putting a 40 Merc flathead blown 
in that. And she's great. I got her chopped down. She's this high, the whole truck. So, um, and we found that in a warehouse, just a cab and a bed, and I built the frame and everything for it. So it's coming along. So when you see these cars and you're interested in rebuilding them, do you just see it and visualize something like what you're building now, or is there some other thing that happens that gets you to that point? It, I, it's an art to me. So yes, I'll see something. I'll go, oh, I know what I'm going to do that right away. Um, and this truck was just a cab and a bed. I found it in a warehouse in Long Beach or something. And uh, we bought it, brought it home, and I just built a frame for it and put it on and uh, found a motor for it, dug the flathead out of the dirt at some guy's house, rebuilt the flathead, and uh, we're going to put a blower on it, and it'll be fun. You've had a lot of cars. I always wonder if there's ever been a car that you have gotten rid of along the line that you thought, man, I wish I had that back. Uh, 69 Z28 Camaro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when we were kids, you know, younger, bought it for $2,500, had to take a loan out to buy it. 2500 bucks. Yeah, this is 19, oh boy, I'm going to date myself, probably about 77, 78. When, when 2500 bucks was $250,000. No, quite that much, but had to go out and get a loan yeah. to buy the car. Now, if I had it, oh my gosh, you know, uh -huh. that was a great car. Um, and the Cudas, I love the Cudas, you know. I'm a Chrysler man, I, my Hemi's. You're a Mopar guy? Oh yeah. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. By the way, see this right here? Mm -hmm. See this Roadrunner, 69 Roadrunner? I'll just take a step back. Hey, that's pretty neat, that just backed in just, just as we're talking Isn't about. Isn't that incredible? I like the way that works. Take uh, a look at that as you look around me. That is a very nice Roadrunner. You don't see a lot of the convertibles. I can't see what it is from here, but it's definitely a big block. 383. 383, yeah. original too. Yes, very uh, The owner was telling me it's from Minnesota. Is it really? Yeah, and he's got the original quarters on it, which is stunning to from any Minnesota. from yes. Minnesota. Because I love Chrysler's, but they are famous for you know going back to the earth. Is there a car out there that Perry wants? It's number one on your list of cars to get. Yeah, seventy-one Hemi Cuda. Don't have one yet. I will have one in my garage. Those are, those aren't cheap. No, they're not. You're going to get a bigger loan than twenty-five hundred bucks for that. Well, yes, but the good thing is I can buy them and I can fix them. So I like to buy them beat up and then I, and then I put them together. Perry Brandt from Car Chasers. Now, Bodie Stroud, car customizer, TV show host, even a podcaster. I asked him when he first realized he was a car guy. Oh, man. This is a long story. I don't think we have enough time. Well, for we that. have plenty of time for that. <laughs> um you know, I don't know. I just think everyone's born with... I was just talking to a friend of mine about that today. I think, uh, you know, he's a really good film editor. He's done stuff for the last 40 years, really big-name stuff. And it's like, I think he was born for that, and I'm think, I think I was born for this. I don't know what it was. I tried other things, but everything kept leading me back to, you know, working on a car. It was... Uh, when I was young, it was kind of out of necessity. I didn't have much money, so when I lost like a water pump in my car, I had to fix it. And then all of a sudden, I bought this uh, this crash Toyota pickup uh, that I've never really talked much about. But I think that's where I, I kind of started getting like, whoa, this is pretty easy. I had to, it, it rear-ended somebody, but this was the coolest truck in town. This guy named Dave West owned it, and he was the coolest dude. So it was for sale. It was cheap because he rear-ended someone. I took it home. I pulled off the whole front end and I just started peeling it apart layer by layer and I was like, this is it? 
this is all that's holding these together? And then I would see, well, man, why did they do this? When I was putting it back together, I would think every time I did that or worked on something new and got further and further into something, I was like, why did they do this? Why did they make it so hard to work on? Why, did, why didn't they do that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I just started using my creativity and my imagine, imagination, and, uh, which I was really good at too. I was very artistic as a kid. Mm -hmm. So I had a very good eye for lines and... Uh, you know, making sure everything was nice and level and parallel and whatever. And uh, and I could see a picture of a car finish in my head of how I would want it. And so I just started following the picture in my head and, you know, everybody dug it. Everyone's like, whoa, that thing's crazy. And you're going, oh, okay. All right. Well, it was pretty easy for me. So, uh, you know, I ventured into other stuff. I went to Art Center at night for a year and... Uh, Never really took much of the car stuff there. It was more into uh, the, the arts of drawing and, and people and other stuff like that. And uh, so I quit that and just found myself back under a car. Did you really plan, though, to be involved in the car business? I mean, was there some other thing you wanted to do at one point and then suddenly because of the truck or whatever found yourself in there? Uh, you Did know, you envision yourself as something no, else. I never envisioned myself of being anything. <laughs> I thought for sure I wasn't going to amount to much. Uh, and that's the honest truth. I, I grew up in a small town called Tahunga. And, uh, you know, uh, not a lot of my friends made it out of Tahunga. And uh, it was a tough childhood. You, you had to, we roamed the streets. You had to be street smart. You had to learn to to protect yourself and fight and know when there was a sticky situation you had to get out of. And, uh, you know, so I, I didn't know what I wanted to be ever. I think at one point when I was a kid, I said I wanted to be a veterinarian. Uh, I kind of, I liked animals. Uh, that went out the window. I don't know at what age. And, uh, you know, at 17, when I, I had my driver's license at 16, I left. I left the house and I never went back. You know, I just started, kept moving forward and I always found myself working on a car. So, you know, when I, I got married, a friend of mine offered a job as doing maintenance on big trucks. So for about, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years, I worked on big rig diesel stuff. And I was building flatbed trailers, tanker trucks. Uh, catwalks, I was doing hydraulic systems, I was doing pump systems, uh, I was very good at it. I did that for a long time, I was very happy doing it and uh, unfortunately we sold to a big corp firm in uh, Chicago and uh, I got let go. I was part of the fat and I always wanted to start my hot rod shop and I thought well where am I going to make the money I need to make just being a diesel mechanic now that I have all my bills at my house and my big house I just built and everything else, I go, I'm just going to start my hot rod shop. So I followed my passion and here I am. That's a great start. Now, was that truck your first car? That was my second car. Yeah. My what first... was your first car? <laughs> oh, I probably shouldn't say what my first car was. Okay. <laughs> it was a 1972 four-door Subaru. That's not bad. Well, nowadays, they what a WRX. Really no, well, back really then, bad. it may have been a little bad. <laughs> back yeah. then, it was really bad. It was my grandpa's. He gave it to me. 
Yeah, you know what? As a kid, I didn't know any better, and I was on cloud nine. This thing ran, and all my friends could pile in the back. Mm -hmm. At the time, I did uh, for years. I did a lot of freestyle and ramp riding and pool riding. I, I got into doing it almost professionally, uh, well, semi-professional, and. Uh, so it was cool. I had a bike rack on the back of my car, and I had a ramp that I made that, that fit into my uh, bike rack, and we'd look for areas to jump in lakes and stuff like that. So that car was really fun. I'd jump on it. I would roll over it. It was a wreck. When I got sold it to my sister, <laughs> it was a wreck. Sorry, Becky. <laughs> now, how many times do we have cars that we gave to our younger yeah. siblings? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's a great story. So you went ahead and you, you moved on and you started doing your own shop. Mm -hmm. uh, you started doing different things. Then you started getting into the media. You started doing things like, well, I guess what came first? Was it the, sh the car shows? The first show I ever did was Monster Garage with Jesse James. And uh, he truly was an inspiration because we were a lot alike. You know, he did what he loved to do and he was good at it. Uh, which was his bikes and everything else and and me it was cars I saw cars and I you know I had uh, I think we were born the same year we're the same age uh, when I did Monster Garage and I got to know him you know it was I looked up to him I was like wow this guy is self-made mm -hmm. and uh, I had brought a truck I was building on set of Monster Garage and uh, a lot of the guys there were like why aren't you doing this you know, because this thing should be on the cover of a magazine and this and that. Well, at the time, I was doing it for fun. I had no idea who Chip Foose was. Nobody in the hot rod world. I was strictly buying a magazine. I didn't care who built what. I didn't care what fancy car was on the cover. I was digging to see, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to fit this 15-inch wheel in the back, you know, and how am I going to do it? What kind of suspension am I going to use? How do I make it ride better? How do I, you know what I mean? So, uh... That's just what I started doing. So Monster Garage, for those of you who may not know what it was, they would take all sorts of different cars and turn it into some sort of, and I'll use the word freakish, but they, there was there was all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, uh, I turned a 69 Rolls Royce into a portable toilet pumper. I put an actual vacuum system on this thing. I took out the air conditioner, the factory air. I put a pump. I used all the factory air switches. Uh, it had a clutch. We put the tank in. Uh, I plumbed it all and it actually worked. And it was Johnny's Rolls Royce. Yeah, that's it. That's what it was. And then Jesse and I uh, went around uh, Rodeo Drive and, and we cut off like a, a real toilet pumper. And I popped out of the back and I pumped the toilet with it. And then we sped off. And <laughs> so, but that, that was actually fun. And that's what led me to wanting to do. I looked at Jesse and I was like, wow, this dude's having fun. I want to do that. Uh, you know, I liked what I was doing at the time, and I probably would still be there, actually. But since I had another choice in life, I chose this, and I thought, well, I'm going to try it. Being the social, the, the TV stuff, the media stuff, building the badass cars, the hot rod shop, the look, the, the field, my own clothing, you know. Because uh, I, I had my own ideas in my head, you know what I mean, that I wanted to do. The, the problem now that I see with reality TV is it's not reality anymore. And I'm having a hard time with it. Uh, you know, when they ask you to reenact something or, or make up some scene and, uh, you know, and, and you hear because you're on the inside that other shops and other shows aren't even real people, you know, you're kind of like, I won't share that, I won't go into that, you know. You're like, wait a sec, I'm, a real, I'm the real deal. I'm here busting my ass, 
You know what I mean? I'm actually building this stuff thinking that that's what you were supposed to do in life is if you say you did it, you should be building it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I, you know, I've done some shows and it wasn't the same as Monster Garage. It wasn't the same experience. It wasn't as fun. So what you're saying is that there are some shows that maybe look like they're building something, if I may imply, but they're not the ones that are necessarily building. You wouldn't want to name names? No, I don't want to name names. I'm, I'm I just thought I'd give you the chance to expose on, on uh, our podcast. <laughs> I think everybody out there knows. I mean, it, you know, if you look at the like the little thing on every uh, reality show now, it bases them you know it'll either say drama comedy right. reality most of the all the tv show the car tv shows now look at them they all say comedy and it's depressing because it's like that's this isn't comedy to me i mean yeah which is more insulting which is more insulting to you though as, as, a, as a real car guy is the show that throws in the comedy or starts doing these off cam not off camera but away from the car fighting infighting that kind of thing behind I the scenes i hate that i hate that yeah. I, I think it's stupid. I think the networks right now are missing the picture big time. I don't know what they're thinking. Monster Garage worked because they were actually dudes, a team of like experts making this thing work that never worked before. You know what I mean? And then you had uh, the Orange County Chopper guys, you know, love them or hate them. The part I love the most about watching their show is they did actually show them working and they showed the mistakes they made. And that's what someone like me was watching it for. Not the corniness, not the the fighting, but for some reason right now, the networks think they have this recipe that is it's the same recipe that they got to follow. And they're scared to step out of the box when I do something. I want it to be original. I want it to be creative. You know what I mean? And that's why right now. This year I kind of stepped away from all the TV stuff. Uh, I've had some offers and uh, I'm working on a little project of my own. Uh, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I really don't care anymore. Because if at the end of the day, if I can't show somebody the reality of what I do, which has real drama, because we aren't just like, oh, everything works perfect and it just bolts together. No, I mean, we're, we're losing, you know, fingers. Look at that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we're no, the fingers really still the there, fingers there. Yeah, yeah. but we're bleeding and we're fighting, you know, like me and my painter. Oh, we go at it 24 seven. You know what I mean? It's and it's a true act. And you sit there and you go, I, I don't know, to me at the end of the day. And it's funny because I hit come people say, oh, did you watch Ass Monkey last night or, you know, and that's right. I said Ass Monkey. Did you watch those guys? I'm like, why would I watch those guys? The one dude doesn't even know how to build a car. And why would I, you know, it's not even funny to me. It's just like, I, I don't get it. I guess I don't get it. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm old school. So yeah. I have old school ways and I was taught integrity, work ethic, work hard, do as you say, say as you do, you know, be the real thing. Don't, don't, don't fake it. See, you know what? television needs now I think television needs stories like you are just giving us I think stories that people don't necessarily hear everybody else wait a minute I think they need talking about cars on TV yeah, hey. Yeah, hey. whatever happened to the cars from Monster Garage I mean are they still around you know I don't know I followed mine for a little while and it I it looked like some investment firm or some big corporation bought uh, 
God, what was it called? Uh, El Pesto or something. It, it stood for the toilet there in, in Spanish. Uh, okay. uh, and it's like a, it's a, it's a total candy apple flake, uh, you know, gold flake. Uh, gold leaf paint job. It's it's wild. I followed it around for a while because uh, I always thought, well, that would be cool to own. You know what I mean? But uh, I haven't seen it in years. I have no idea. There's so many cars that they built. I mean, yeah. the, what was it? What was the one with the? It was sucking up golf balls. It was a limo yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing was cool. They had all kinds of cool things. You know, the best part about it, seriously, was when. Uh, Jesse actually called me to do that because we had a mutual friend that introduced us. Uh, the in the first thing I thought of was my kid's gonna love this because I had a son and I think he was at the time he was about six between six and eight. Huge fan of Monster Garage. He loved Monster Garage. When he called me to do that show, I thought, oh my God, here's my chance to look like Super Dad. You know what I mean? My son on the set of Monster Garage meeting Jesse. You know, and as a father, you, you always want those cool moments for your kid in life. And uh, so that was probably the coolest part about doing the whole thing. You did a podcast for a while and you're not doing that anymore. No, we're on a little bit of a break. I took a break to do the TV stuff. Um, you know, it's hard to juggle it all. You know, you don't get paid for the podcast. Tell me about it. <laughs> yes, true. You know, and, and and when you do finally start getting paid, it's probably years later that you start seeing a paycheck. Yeah. And so I know how this whole thing works. Mm -hmm. um, I love doing it. I love the, you know, I loved answering the public's questions and trying to help them out on where to go, what to do, what parts to buy, you know, to help people through the uh, the suffering process so they don't have to suffer you know what I mean so that's kind of what we were doing it for and just talking to people in the industry I got to talk to a lot of big names you know uh, Speedy from Speedway before he died I got to talk to him I've, Vic Edelbrock I've had a lot of big names of you know people that are legends in the industry sure. and uh, so it was a great opportunity and, and you never know well I've been thinking about it lately uh, on doing it again very cool. Well, we'll keep an eye on that uh, on iTunes. If it, if it, your stuff's still running on iTunes, I, I think, think it's still on iTunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I've been talking to Adam Carolla about maybe doing something on his network as well. So okay. we'll see. Okay, cool. That'll be something to look forward to. Now, you, of course, uh, for a while, one of the shows you did was American Restoration. Um, we've had Rick and Kelly uh, on the show, uh, the earlier hosts of the show. Uh, you guys took over with uh, later. What was the transition like for you from doing cars to just about I mean, you did all sorts of things aside from cars on a show like that. I did, but not too far off. I did a gas pump. I took a Studebaker. I cut the front end off. I made a sink for a bathroom. Uh, Studebaker sink. Yeah, Studebaker sink. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. Uh -huh. uh, and, and I do I do all kinds of art. I do anything I can weld and be creative with and make look cool or make my vision. And believe it or not, I had that Studebaker idea in my head for years. And, uh, and somebody finally came to yeah, you and it was like, Glorioski! It truly was. And so um, it was cool. You know, we did the fire truck. We did the Peterson uh, Davis Devon. We did the uh, GTO, uh, Wade Kawasaki's GTO judge. Uh, we did the 63 Galaxy. So we still did quite a few cars. I think I held pretty true to what I knew best, you know. Once again, you know, uh, 
I never set out to, to take Rick's place. Uh, when I signed my deal with History, it was a deal that was pretty much, uh, it was it had a different working title. It was called Fire and Iron or something like that. And uh, who knows if I'm even supposed to say this, but whatever. I don't care. It's coming on. Uh, and literally the day we started filming, it became American Restoration. So you're like, okay. So, you know, I, we started kind of getting some hate aimed at us and stuff. But I think I came out of it pretty unscathed because at the end of the day, I really don't give a shit. Sorry for my French, what people think of me. I just stuck to my own and did what I knew best. And it's always prevailed for me. If you put your nose down, you work hard at it, you give it your best, just do your work, stay off the social media and the arguing and this and that. I could have engaged with all these people. and But it's like... If anyone, no one can say that I'm not the real deal at that at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, I sleep just fine. I don't care whose place I took, what I did. I did my job. I did it to the, you know, the fullest extent. I got paid for it. I walked away from it and I was good. Projects ahead. What would you like to do? I mean, is there a project out there that you're just waiting for the right opportunity? Or is there something in the back of your head and it's just like, gee, that'd be cool to do this? Oh... As a builder and owning your own shop, it's always a surprise. You never know what's going to come in the door. It could be your dream build. It could be your worst nightmare. Um, I, I honestly don't know what would be my dream build. I couldn't tell you. I'm doing a 67 Fairlane right now that I'm really excited about. Um, it's allowing us to really show off our metal skills and what we do. And... Uh, it's going to be pretty wild, but to, to say what I want or what I want to do, I just want to keep working. I just want to keep trying to bring back the old stuff as much as possible, give it, you know, as much uh, energy and class and good looks as possible. Okay. On that vein, your personal vehicles, the car that is number one on the Bodie Stroud, I want to get that car one of these days list. Oh, my 50 bullet nose Studebaker. On the show, I wasn't kidding. I have one. And for some reason, when I was a kid, probably a teenager, I opened up a Hot Rod magazine and there was a, a cartoon drawing of one all pro-streeted out. And I thought that was the most coolest car I'd ever seen. So I bought a Champion. I have a 50 Bullet Nose Champion. And uh, I've slowly been working on it. I've been gathering parts for it, but that will probably be my dream car weird i know no. it's the ugliest car in the world but i love it for some reason and that's what everybody has a car story is all about because everybody has a car that really just turns them on one way or another to each their own absolutely Bodie, appreciate the time yeah. that was a lot of fun good luck to you we look forward to seeing your stuff and if people want to get a hold of you or follow your progress where would they go oh man it's pretty easy just go to bodiestroud.com that's b-o-d-i-e-s-t-r-o-u-d.com or you can find me on facebook twitter instagram i'm on all that stuff hey if you're listening on itunes number one subscribe to us that way it's free you'll automatically get notified when a new show uploads then rate us write a review we'd love the feedback and if you're listening on soundcloud like us and follow us and then tell your car pals and fellow club members about all the great guests and cool stories we have on all of our award-winning talking about cars podcasts also check out our videos with our partners at generation auto on youtube until next time i'm randy Cardoon. join me as we have some fun talking about cars